As the federal election progresses, one issue which is not dominating the campaign but causing intergenerational division in Australia is housing affordability. On the podcast today is Chief Economist at the Australia Institute, Richard Dennis, telling us his thoughts on a lack of action on housing affordability and the problems within the economy such disparity can create. In addition, Dennis gives us his thoughts on the public sector wages cap in place in New South Wales. Richard Dennis, thank you so much for being with us on the PSA podcast today. Happy to be here. We're in the middle of a federal election campaign and there seems to be an ongoing assumption that the economy is this sort of massive beast that can only be tamed by uh, a coalition government or a conservative government rather than being you know, brought to heel, I guess, by a, Labor, by a Labor government, for lack of better terms. Is this an accurate or a dangerous misnomer? Oh, it's dangerous and it's also a bit silly. I mean, look... Of course, the decisions that our elected representatives make have an impact on the economy. But, you know, think about the metaphors we use for managing the economy and fine-tuning the economy. It it sort of conjures up some room full of dials and levers where some experienced kind of captain is sitting there steering the ship of the Australian economy through choppy waters. Uh, But, of course, you know, really, there is no such room and it's, it's just an entirely unhelpful metaphor. Uh, if you want to have a strong economy, you have to invest in your people, you have to invest in your infrastructure, you have to invest in research and development and things that boost productivity. And, and really, that's how you manage an economy going forward. And the decisions that a government makes day to day, sure, they affect people's lives, but it's years or decades before they affect the economy, except right in a moment of crisis, like we saw with COVID, when, of course, the the coalition did the exact opposite of what they'd been telling us was good for the economy for decades. So when it fell to them to spend hundreds of billions of dollars to stimulate the economy, they did it, and it worked. But it's a bit weird to say I'm a great economic manager who hates public spending, and then the only reason we got through the crisis was they ignored all of their own advice uh, and did what Keynesians like myself had been telling them for decades. So... Governments matter, what we spend money on matters, who we tax and how much we tax matters. But this idea that, you know, one party has this sort of unique skill, Tony Abbott said it was in the DNA of the Liberal Party to manage economy. Mm. I assure you, I've, I've never met a biologist that thinks there's a gene for economic management. Right. Uh, I refer to you to this, just the housing situation that's going on in Australia, and, you know, we, we should call it a crisis because there's a generation of under 40s in the country who are facing zero prospect of home ownership. The problem's only getting worse. What is the eventual result, or if you can answer this, of the, of the market pushing housing prices up and up and up whilst at the same time locking out a generation of potential buyers? Look, the consequences are dire in every sense. They're, they're dire for our economy, they're dire for our community. I think they're actually dire for our democratic cohesion. It really is kind of the defining thing. Menzies set out to make home ownership uh, a, a middle-class possibility, mm. and he succeeded. So uh, the consequences of, uh, of in introducing the kind of tax system we have in Australia, uh, you know, we've flattened the, the tax rates a lot, a combination of negative gearing and capital gains tax have all meant that getting a foot in the door, so to speak, for housing now really is just beyond, unfortunately, millions of Australians. And mm. I think we need to kind of take a good hard look at ourselves in the mirror and and ask ourselves how we feel about the fact 
that if our kids chose to go into childcare or our kids chose to go into aged care, they'd really be choosing to never be able to afford to buy their own home. Now, that's a big call, but that's the system that we kind of have today. So I think that if we wanted to fix these problems, we could, but we're still collectively in a lot of denial about how bad it is. Mm. And, you know, really, I think the way to challenge ourselves and challenge those we talk to about these issues is ask, you know, if you wanted your kids to own their home one day, would you actually let them, in inverted commas, go into some profession? And if we know that there are full-time jobs that will never get you your own home in Australia, then we know there's big problems in Australia. As an economist, do you see uh, now as the tipping point or do you think it, it, it's how long a piece of string is? Is, is it gonna, the tipping point in a couple of years from now? When does the electorate finally step up and say, no, we need to stop letting market forces dictate housing policy and it needs to be a shared responsibility now so that everybody can have the prospect? Will we ever reach that vantage point? Yeah, look, don't ask an economist to explain how humans think. Like, we just we just make assumptions about how humans should think. We're not very good at observing how they do think. Fair but, enough. But, but, but putting my citizen hat on. Yes. No, I don't, I don't think there's a tipping point. You know, it's really, uh, it's what are we willing to put up with and, 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 and what are we willing to do to get change? And, uh, it's, you know, we talk about the market pushing up prices, but really... Uh, it's 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 not the market. It's the structures that we've built. The combination of negative gearing and capital gains tax exemptions mm. mean that when the, when there's a first home buyer standing next to an investor at an auction, uh, you know there really are a lot of structural advantages for that for that investor when they're bidding against those first home buyers. And and let's be clear about this: this is not how it works in every other country. Australia now has some of the most expensive real estate in the world, more expensive than Paris, more expensive than New York. And I'm not saying there aren't multi-million dollar houses there, but that's not what most people pay. Mm. Uh, And, you know, if you ever watch any of those kind of American uh, real estate programs on pay TV, I've seen them at my parents' place plenty of times. It's amazing how cheap a house in America is for most people. Mm. And Australia has made it, has made, has created this situation. And if we want to kind of back away from it, we could, or we can double down on it if we want to. Um, What are we going to do next? Well, I don't know. Time will tell. But, you know, as I like to say to people, who we vote for determines which problems we fix. And, if, if, if we're happy with the way things are going, I guess we should keep the way we be, keep voting the way we've been voting. Just pivoting away, what is your perception of the wage cap issue that's taking place, particularly at New South Wales level, where public sector wages are capped uh, legislatively at 2.5%? What are the economic effects on the citizens and the public servants who are exposed to such a cap? Well, I, well, I think there are downsides for, for, for citizens generally. I think there's downsides to the public servants, but I honestly believe there's significant downsides for the economy overall. Um, I actually gave evidence in, in one of the New South Wales um, pay cases. Uh, I was an expert witness in one of those, and I argued that if you wanted to stimulate the economy during the crisis, you'd be much better off, much better off, giving public servants pay rises 
uh, than, than committing to build sort of infrastructure projects for the simple reason that we would have got the money out the door a lot quicker. Um, so, look, the Reserve Bank Governor uh, has said that Australia needs to see wage growth, uh, real wage growth, starting with a three. Well, when you've got a government committing committing to freeze pay during a crisis and then uh, putting a cap on wages that's lower than the head of the Reserve Bank thinks is responsible, how can we pretend this is responsible? So uh, paying public sector workers well is, uh, is good for the economy. Uh, it has flow-on effects with, with wages in, in other industries and it ensures that we attract and retain good staff and that in turn citizens get good services. So it really is central, I think, to, to economic management uh, for, the, for the public sector. And keep in mind that the Commonwealth Government and the New South Wales Government, these are amongst the biggest employers in Australia. If they won't offer decent pay rises, then how are we ever going to have strong wage growth in Australia? Like, wage growth doesn't fall from the sky. Wage growth comes from employers paying their workers higher wages. Mm. And when the, when the people who employ the most workers are adamant that they won't give good pay rises, how can we be surprised that we have low wage growth? These two things are not ironic or coincidental. The determination of the Commonwealth Government and state governments like New South Wales, the determination to have low wage growth is why we have low national wage growth. And, and most economists, myself included, would say that low wage growth has been one of the biggest reasons that GDP has been lagging in Australia. If we really wanted to stimulate the economy, put more money into workers' pockets, they'll spend most of it. That's a good way to stimulate the economy. Uh, Richard Dennis, your new book, Big, The Role of the State in the Modern Economy, is available now. Uh, we encourage uh, anyone who's listening today to pick up a copy. It's a fantastic read and there's a review of it in our next issue of Red Tape. Thank you so much for spending some time today with us on the PSA podcast. Thank you. And even though the title's big, I assure everyone it's short and it's a quick read. So <laughs> thanks for having me on. Protect yourself at work. Call the PSA today on 1300 772 679 or head to psa.asn.au.